I walked in and, and uh, the, the big tall guy back there, I walked in uh, back Thanksgiving, I just dropped in here and I said, uh, you know, my mom went to school here in 1944 and he said, I don't think so. I said, she went to school here in 1944, 1945. And he says, oh, when it was a college. I said, yes, when it was a college. My mom grew up in Central City. I came to Central City in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, my uncles lived in, uh, in Aurora. My great-grandpa grew up in Marquette. This is home base on my mom's side. I've been around this place a long time. My dad reminded me yesterday that when he was dating my mom, they were going to York College then, he came over and he ran track on the track here on the west side of Old Main of the old, uh, there, there was an oval, and he and my uncle Glenn would come and run track here. I know of this school, I've known of this school for some time, for years in fact. Uh, I love Christian schools, I love Christian education. I have five children, they were all raised in Christian school. I taught in a Christian school for a while. What you guys are doing is great, may God bless you, may God use you, may God bless this place. I've been involved in this and I've been about this my whole life. And uh, even this school and Ken Swanson, when he came down here way, way, way back when from Sand Hill Implement, my aunt was a Swanson in Bassett. I knew the Swansons. I know Ken Swanson. I was just with him. You know, this doesn't make any sense to you because he's retired, but some of you resonates with. And I know Ken. I just was with him about three months ago at a, um, at a funeral. Thank you, Gordon, for the invite. Uh, it's a privilege to talk to you, and I hope that what is said is what God speaks to your heart. It's not what man says. It's what God says that we're after here so may the Holy Spirit touch you. May you be prepared. Acts 17, 11 says, they came with all readiness of mind. Now, I woke up about four this morning, so my mind's already really, really warmed up. And I need to talk. How much time do I have? 30 minutes. And I've got 45 minutes worth of material, which means I talk fast, which means you have to listen fast. I gave you a piece of paper for you to jot some notes. Hopefully, it'll be a tickler. Hopefully, it'll be a reminder. Hopefully, it'll be to help to you. You know, I, I grew up in a great home. I grew up in North Platte, Nebraska. I grew up with Christian parents. I grew up in a home that we were at church all the time. Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. If the lights were on, we were there. It might have been the janitor, we were there. I loved church. And my brother and my two sisters are active in church. We did not get turned off. My home was very, very, very much about Jesus and about church. I was very blessed by that. But I did not want to be a pastor. Let me warn you about something. Don't tell God what you don't want to do. I did not want to be a pastor. I've been at it over 40 years now. It's been a good run. It's been a good deal. I'm very, very, very blessed. I love God's Word. God's Word is amazing. Every time we come to God's Word, we should be prepared to have God speak, and we should be encouraged by God, and we should be challenged by God, and may we find that to be true. I'm going to just take a single verse this morning and talk about Shamgar. And you all have maybe heard a story about Shamgar, but I want to unpack that story a little bit for you, and hopefully it'll be some, some uh, ideas that will help you as you wrestle through life. I want to back up to um, in Judges chapter 2. I'm going to give you a little background <clears throat> to Shamgar, because I think that his background is our background. What Shamgar wrestled with, the culture that was around Shamgar, is a culture that we have as well. Things are not new under the sun, and our God then is an unchanging God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what God says about then is what God says about now. And so just a few ideas about the background. So in Judges 2, 
verse 23, he says, The Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately. He did not deliver them into the hand of Joshua. God left paganism. God left the world. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we don't have any trouble with the world. Doesn't mean the world's not around us. The world is around us. The world is challenging us. The world is calling us. The world is an issue. Even though we be believers and we be his, the world is a problem. The world is a danger. And he says, why did God leave them? And I go back to verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. The angel of the Lord came from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I led you from Egypt. I brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. That's a salvation thing. I trust that you have embraced Jesus as your Savior. The Lord leads us out of bondage. The Lord leads us out of captivity. The Lord leads us to himself. And when the Lord brings us to himself, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I make a covenant with you. We call that security. Okay, so hopefully you're saved. I am pretty convinced in a group like this, there's a number of you who aren't. You feign it. You act it. But is it true with you? Is it real with you? And I pray that it is. And I pray if not, that I pray that the Lord would draw you to himself. And he says in verse 2, you shall not make a covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You do not embrace the ways of the world. You do not go after the ways of the world. You and I are at war with the ways of the world. Make no inhabitant, and you shall tear down their idols. You do not worship at their idols. You do not worship. You do not exalt. You do not promote the things the world promotes. That makes us odd. I like the old King James that says we are a peculiar people. And I look at you and you're all peculiar, as am I. We're to be different than the world. But look what happens. You have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore I said I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. When you and I don't obey, God will allow things into our world, into our lives to remind us of our need and to drive us to our knees and to drive us to Calvary and to drive us to repentance. So what was true back in those days was disobedience had a cost. And you know something? That's true today. Disobedience has a cost. If you're disobedient, you're paying a price, you will pay a price and the world may have an upper hand in your life. The world may vex you. There is a solution. The solution is we bow at the cross, we confess our sins, and we ask the Lord to restore us, renew us, and we start afresh. Consequences to sins are all around us in our culture today as they were then. Number two, verses 7 through 12 of chapter 2. And so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had been seen the great works of the Lord which he had done. Now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110. My uncle in Aurora just died. He was 103. 103. He told the story to me when he was five or four. Uh, they moved from Neosho, Missouri to Marquette. You know where Marquette is, just south here. In a covered wagon pulled by a single horse. Wow, that's ancient history, isn't it? My uncle talked about that. Well, Joshua made 110. 
It says he's 110. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance of timnath Harris in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. I have got a family in my church from Henderson. They named their third son Gash. Right here. And he is a Gash. Not that he's a burial, but he gashes all kinds of things with his sisters. And an interesting thing. Verse 10, and when all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, they died. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. So there was a generation who did know the Lord. And the call to you and the call to me and the call to us is, are we going to do as they or are we going to don't? Contrary to they. You may have parents and you had grandparents and you have people in your past who walked with the Lord, who loved the Lord, who served the Lord, who were blessed by the Lord. What about you? Can we drift away from that? Yes, we can. Just because your parents, God does not have grandchildren. You understand that? He has children. And you have to embrace and you have to walk in faith to him, not in the shadow of your parents, but you walk in faith with him personally. And so here was a generation that loved the Lord, but a generation arose that did not. May you be people that do love the Lord. So there's a did and a do and a don't in that. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars of Canaan. He left them to test. So does God allow tests in our life? Yes, he does. There are three things that God allows in the life of anybody, even people that aren't saved. He allows evil. We think about Job. He allows that. He allows pain. And he allows loss. And loss would be even death. Why does God allow those with non-believers? Because God is driving them to realize they do not, they cannot fix themselves. They need saved. He drives them to the cross. He drives them to their knees. Why does God allow bad things to happen to bad people or any people? Because it's a reminder that we're not large and in charge. You can't fix you. We're stuck in miry muck. We're slaves. We can't extract ourselves. God uses bad loss and, and, and pain. He uses that to bring people to salvation. What about you and I as believers? Same thing. God uses those to correct us. God uses those to draw us and, and grow us. And God, when his power rests upon me, when I'm going through pain, when I'm going through loss, when I'm going through bad, what happens? His power flows through me and shows from me. Second Corinthians chapter 12. When you're weak. So the issue is God allows tests in our life because in some sense it's the way he grows us, but it's also how he shows himself in us. So God allows tests in our lives. That's why your teachers need to give you tests because it's a God thing to do. I did not hear a single amen. Now in my church, I do expect some participation. I do call, I call people out in fact. I had a visitor to my church a couple weeks ago, and I've known him for some time back, but he was fresh there. And I looked over at him right in the middle of the sermon, and I said, Aaron, are you getting this? Right in the middle of everybody. Afterwards, I said, how'd you do with that? He said, well, it kept me awake. I said, it keeps everybody awake. You need to, so, so, so your, your teachers, by giving you tests, 
are being godly. You didn't want to say that, did you? No. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. Um, so, so the point here is that tests serve us. Verses 5 and 6. The children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prisonites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and they took their daughters to their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served other gods. Marriage matters to God. And we're having a lot of confusion, a lot of debate, a lot of change in that whole realm. We understand that in the culture. Marriage matters to God. It needs to matter to us as well. Verses 7 and 8. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God. They forgot the Lord their God and they showed the Baals and the Asherahs. And therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishonam, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served him eight years. God calls us to serve him fully. If we don't serve him, we may serve somebody else and something else. God raises up people to oppress. We need to serve him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your Lord your God on Wednesday morning as you love the Lord your God on Sunday morning. Love the Lord your God on Thursday afternoon as you love the Lord your God in devotions that morning. Love the Lord your God Always serve the Lord your God. Always. Because if that cup, if your cup is not full of God, other things will start creeping in and slipping in, and pretty soon you'll start serving and worshiping and honoring other things. And that kind of a drink is putrid. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The call in our lives today was God's call and expectation to them back there as well. Verse 12. The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of God, so God strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel. God brought in another king and another empire to oppress his people. We're reminded that as much as it doesn't look like God's in control, yet he is. We have all this argument, all this debate now. Was the, was the election legitimate? We got people who are saying, no, it wasn't legitimate. I'm not going to go to the inauguration. Let me just tell you something about that. One of the things that makes this country special is the fact that we can transfer power without bloodshed. We can transfer power without anarchy. We can transfer power to supposedly without division. One of the things that's marked this country is an orderly transfer of power. That's going to happen Friday. What happens in other countries is chaotic, chaos, bloody. It's a constitutional thing. It is who we are as a country. When we start dividing that, we're dividing our country in a way that's dangerous. If you want to protest a political issue, don't attend a um, State of the Union, which, which the president will talk about his agenda. But when you're talking about transfer of power, a constitutional issue, be careful here. Be careful here. Ma countries matter to God. And ultimately, he is the king of He's the king of kings. He's the president of presidents. He's the dictator of Putin. God moves nations. And verse 30. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. There can be peace. There can be victory. You can have it. Submit to him. Trust him. Obey him. You can have it. 
We've been blessed at times in this country. We've been blessed at times in our lives. When we start drifting away from him, those things start drifting away from us. You and I desire peace. We desire um, victory. We can have it if we're walking with him, trusting in him. So the things of Shamgar, we're coming up to that verse in verse 31. The things that were important in that world then are important in our world now. That's those top seven points. Shamgar is a guy who comes along and he gets one single verse in the Bible. Just one. There's a little bit about him in chapter 5. He does not make God's Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11. He doesn't make it. He's kind of under the radar. He's kind of a bland guy. He's kind of a vanilla guy. He's kind of somebody that we wouldn't think much of. He pastors a little church in rural Nebraska. Who cares about rural Nebraska when you live in the metropolitan area? God does. God does. There are no insignificant people in God's world. Shamgar is going to give us that story. So after him, this is after Ehud. By the way, these first three judges, I think of them as breakfast. The first judge was oatmeal. The second judge, Ehud, dealt with egg one. And the third judge is Shahamgar. Oatmeal, eggs, and ham. There's not a, you know, my people, you know, they groan, they moan. Oh, here we go again. You know, come on, I, I, you know, I'm not very smart. I have to have crutches. So I think about breakfast. That helps me. Othniel was the, the brother of Caleb. You know, Caleb and Joshua, the two spies. You know that. Eglon, Eglon was like an egg. He was really, really thick in the middle. Remember the story? Ehud is a left-handed dagger guy. You know the story? Yeah, you know, it's a gross story, isn't it? It's kind of like eggs. And then here we have Ham, Shamgar. So Shamgar comes along, and he is dealing, if you look at chapter 4, verse 1, when Ehud was dead. Shamgar kind of is under the radar. He's kind of working. When, she, when Ehud is still a judge, Shamgar's operating on the other side of the country. One's on the east side. Shamgar's on the west side. Shamgar's kind of under the radar, but yet he is important. Let's just unpack this. It says Shamgar. So my, my number one point, the value of one. The value of just one. The value of a life. Your life matters. Every single life matters. You cannot have 300 if you don't have 299. You do not have 300 if you do not have 299. Now, we may think 300 is a great number. That's, I want to be 300, whatever that means, bowling. But if you don't have 299, you can't have 300. Every, let me give you a story. How about how life matters? I was flying from um, Salt Lake to Atlanta years ago, and I was over Kansas, and it struck me that I'm important to this whole plane load of people. And here's the story. There were two guys at different times who were out on the Mediterranean Sea and encountered a horrific storm in the Mediterranean. One guy was running from God, and because he was running from God, that whole boatload of people was in danger of going down and dying. The whole boat was in danger because of one guy. Because of one guy, the whole boatload of people could have perished because of one. Who am I talking about? Jonah. 
There was another time when there was a horrible storm. And because of one guy, everybody was saved. Everybody lived because of one. Who am I talking about? Paul. You and I are players. You matter. You may be a single life and you may be under the radar. You may not think you matter to much, but you matter to God. You cannot have 300 if you don't have 299. You matter to God. Shamgar mattered to God. Be bright in the corner. Bright in the corner. My dad used to, my dad's a horrible singer. But my dad led devotions. He still does. And this is one of his songs. Brighton, lighten up the corner. Brighten the corner. Let your light so shine. Don't hide it under a basket. Let your light so shine that they may see a good works and glorify God. Brighten the corner where you are. You brighten the corner where you are. Someone far from harbor, you may guide across the bar. So you up and brighten the corner where you are. Be a light. Your life matters. You are important. God sees you, and God can use you. I, I love the song, Chris Tomlin's song. How do I keep from singing? I am loved by the king, and make, makes my heart want to sing. Wow, that God sees me. He knows the number of hair on my head and yours. He knows the number of stars and knows you know the number of the stars. Isaiah 40 says, what? He names them. He knows my name. He knows my name. I'm loved by the king. How incredible is that? How amazing is that? How great is that? How good is that? You matter. Number two, he's the son of Anath. Anath, this is not a good deal. Anath means God of sex and war. I think this guy's a couch, I think he's dad. I think his dad's a couch potato. I think his dad watches TV because what's TV about? Sex and blowing things up, shooting things. I think he's a TV guy. I think he grew up with a dad who's a couch potato. He's about sex and war. Shamgar is a Gentile name. It's not a Jewish name. He's a Jew. He lives in Israel. He should have a Jewish name. He's got a Gentile name. What's that say about his upbringing? His upbringing, he's brought up in a dysfunctional home. He's brought up in a home that's not very Christian. He's brought up in a home that's troubled. Yet, he heard God's call. He followed God, and God used him. Okay, so what about your past? What about your present? Your dad's wayward. Your dad's indifferent. Your dad's disengaged. Your home is worldly. Your home is not what it ought to be. You know, you can live in that mess, and you can let that mess overwhelm you and control you and defeat you. Or, as Paul in Philippians 3 says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press to the goal of glorifying God. Don't let your past destroy you. Don't let your past control you. You let Christ control you. Number three, he is a, he, he's, he's got a stick. I brought a stick just for, you got to have a little bit of illustration, right? A stick. Stick. See how this works? Uh, oh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, yeah, lawsuit coming. He, he's a farmer. He, he's just a farmer. He didn't come to the school of prophets. 
He's not one of them. He's not a priest. He's not a prophet. He's just a common guy that walks behind an ox. He's a common man. He's not high IQ. He's not in the top 10%. He's not that he doesn't get a 36 on the ACT. Gets a 17. Whoopee. Common people matter. Common people are used by God. I told my boys, I said, guys, I don't care what you do for a living. I care that you walk with Jesus. So one boy paints, one boy's a builder, and one boy's a salesman. They love Jesus. That's what matters. They're active in their church. God's using them. So the value of common common people. You may not have any reputation. You may not make the dean's list. You may not be the quarterback of the football team. That's okay. That's okay. God uses common people. It's okay to be a common person. That's good. Number four, it is an ox goat. It is a stick. And it's a stick to prod an ox as you're plowing. The ox wants to stop. You prod it. So just even things, common things, just a common thing. So what about the things that you have that you, quote, unquote, possess? Because you really don't own them, do you? When my uncle died at 103, you know what he took with him? You don't own anything. Hmm? So your things, your, your property, your boombox or your Nike or your Under Armour sweatshirt or whatever you claim makes you cool, your Eagle shirt. That's a, is that a school shirt right there? The four back, yeah, you, right there, the gray. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I warned you about this. You sat there, look like a bump on the log, you get called out. So, okay, what's happening? Is that a school shirt? Oh, the guy behind you in the gray there. It's a tough crowd. So, common things. Do your, what time, how much time do I have? Do your common things, quarter till? Your, your common things, your common things, give them to God. I don't care if it's your tennis shoes, I don't care if it's your watch, I don't care what, it, give it to God. Let it, God use your common things for his glory and for the good of man. And even something you think is non-consequential, it's no big deal, it's all right. Give it to God. It's not yours. You be a good steward of it. You take good care of it. God, if you can use this, if you can use these shoes, if you can use these gloves, if you can use these however to touch people, to draw people, to be used by you, go at it. I give them to you. The value of common things. The value of mission. And it says that he killed. He killed. He killed. He understood good and bad. He understood enemy. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, put to death five things there. Do you understand that you and I are at war, spiritual war? Do you understand that you're at war with the flesh, the world, the devil? That's Ephesians chapter 2. Do you understand the warfare? Do you understand that this is battle? Do you understand that there's no neutrality in this? Do you understand that this is dangerous? You better put on the whole armor of God. Do you understand the mission in life? The value of understanding mission. The value of persistence. He killed 600. 
We would think that probably one here, one there, two there, one there, none this week, one another. He took that ox goad, and he came behind the rock, and he just, just kaboomed. He killed 600 over the course of probably months and maybe even years. Persistence, persistence, persistence. Your spiritual walk is going to require persistence. If you're going to have victory, it's day after day after day. It's not just on Sundays. It's every day. It's every day. I die to self. I die to me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's his life. It's his values. It's his work. It's his way. It's him. Always, ever, ever. Be persistent. Be persistent. Be persistent in your walk and your talk and your life before the Lord. The value of persistence. And then lastly, he also saved or delivered Israel. The value of vision, what's the end product? The end product is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, Westminster Catechism, right? It's also to better other people. When you take a job, I've got a guy that's a head cook down at the Open Door Mission in Omaha. And when he went down there, and I've taught this issue, your job is to make your boss successful. You guys all sitting on the back, your job is to make your boss look successful, be successful. It's not about your success, it's about their success. What's our job as Christians? To make God look successful. It's not about my success, and it's not about me, it's about others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's about their success. He saved, he delivered Israel because he saw the bigger picture. He saw the end game. Why are you here? Why am I here? What's my mission as a pastor? My mission as a pastor is many, many healthy sheep. Not baby sheep, not wounded sheep, not sick sheep, healthy sheep, because healthy sheep reproduce. I'm on a mission. And when I got sheep that are sick, I deal with that. When I got sheep that are fighting, I deal with that because healthy sheep. What's your mission? Are you on mission? So 2017, you matter. The value of not letting your past control you the value of common things, the value of mission, the value of common people, the value of persistence, and the value of vision. Shamgar, common guy with common goods and common strength, uncommon drive, and an uncommon God. I put small g because I'm comparing against other gods, but he had a great God. We sang about that, didn't we? Hallelujah. Holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. He is the God who is worthy of our lives. He's the God who's worthy of our devotion. He's God that we serve, and Him and Him alone. I'm out of time. I'm tying it off. Father, You're an amazing God. You've given us a high calling to serve the God of the universe. How great is that? To be loved by God. It makes my heart want to sing. And we realize, Lord, that we have all these issues of our past, the culture around us, those top seven, and You're calling our lives with this guy who's kind of under the radar, but yet... You put him in there, and may we, Father, understand your call in our lives. There's value in all kinds of things that the world wouldn't value, but you do value. Father, help us to reevaluate where we're at in our walk with you. Thank you for each of these kids and the staff. Father, I pray that this week, I pray that this the school year would be glory to you, would bring good to them, and that you would be growing them to serve you passionately every day of their life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.